Welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and put into practice. I'm your host, Gwen DeSelm, and I'm so glad that you've joined me for the new series we're starting today. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. The Bible is full of stories of miraculous healings. Indeed, everywhere Jesus went during his earthly ministry, he was healing people of all kinds of diseases. But does God still heal today? And can everyday disciples like you and me pray for people to be healed? Today we're going to bring the first of three messages on the topic of healing that may begin to answer some of the questions you have. I pray that as you listen, your faith and confidence will grow as you understand more and more about God's heart toward us and the authority He has given us in Christ. Here's Dave with The Master's Touch. Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be back with you. You ready to go to work? All right, let's take our Bibles in hand and open them up to Luke chapter 5, or your phone or your iPad or whatever else you're going to do. I'm still old school. I got the Bible out, doggone it. All right. In Old Testament days, people considered salvation differently than we do today. They didn't simply refer to salvation as individuals getting into heaven after they died. Though they believed that, it went beyond that. They actually believed that the deliverance that God had to offer wasn't simply for the then and there, it was for the here and now. They referred to it as shalom. Ever heard the word shalom before? The word shalom is interesting because the complete meaning is total wholeness, fullness of peace. It has to do with the power of God, not only dealing with your soul, but with your body. Thus we read these words from King David, who was working out of that sense of context. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now watch, who forgives all your sins, there's the soul, But then he adds, and heals all your diseases, body and soul, body and soul. The Israelites looked forward to the day when God in power would come to his people with shalom. The prophet Isaiah prophesied this way, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He'll come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer. Notice the concept of salvation, or the context it is of salvation. Not only eternal life for your soul, but abundant life for your body. That in that day when God comes in power, blind eyes are going to see, deaf ears are going to hear, lame legs are going to leap. This was part of this idea of shalom. Now, Isaiah's prophecy was, of course, fulfilled in Jesus, right? Jesus was the fulfillment in coming in power. 
Yeshua, Jesus. Interestingly enough, Jesus, his name can be translated, God saves. Yeshua can also be translated, God heals. God saves, God heals. The New Testament writers understood how Jesus lived a life of salvation to the fullest. Matthew wrote these words, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing all kinds of disease and sickness among the people. Jesus not only declared the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom. The synoptic gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, no less than 20% of their words have to do with Jesus' healing of broken people, traumatized people. Such healing was a, a proof or a sign that the kingdom really had come. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, and he was confused, notwithstanding how he thought that Jesus was the promised deliverer. He was in prison. He was close to death. And so he sent his disciples to Jesus, just making sure that he'd not bet his money on the wrong horse. And he says this, are you the Messiah? Are you the one, or should we wait for someone else? To which Jesus responded, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. John is told that the context of Jesus' deliverance was not only for the soul, but for the body. Blind are going to see. This was a fulfillment of the Isaiah passage. Now, to be sure, Jesus did not heal every single person who was in that eastern Mediterranean rim. There were people within walking distance who still died. Funerals were still a common occurrence. Apparently, God's plan was not that Jesus be the fountain of health for every person in his first coming, but he would show flashes of it. This kingdom inaugurated then would be fully integrated in his second coming. And at that time, it'd be complete. Nevertheless, we don't want to miss this. Jesus did show himself strong as it related to healing. And when he sent out his disciples, his representatives, he gave them authority to do likewise. From Luke 9, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Chapter 10 notes how then he sent out 72, well beyond the 12. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. That's what this teaching series is all about. That notwithstanding all the questions we may have or all the mystery that still surrounds this idea of healing, our Lord is still ready, willing, and able to do it. Moreover, as his representatives were asked to minister in his authority and to pray for it accordingly. I want to focus in on one of the most remarkable pictures of his healing in the whole New Testament, though, in the time we have this morning, and that's in that fifth chapter of Luke. Have you found it? 
It reads this way. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. In the ancient world, leprosy was the most terrible of all physical afflictions. One writer puts it this way, No other disease reduces a human being's for so many years, to so hideous a wreck. It might begin with nodules that would appear on one's skin. They would begin to ulcerate and emit a foul discharge. Eyebrows would fall out. Vocal cords would become compromised. The voice would grow hoarse. Nerve trunks would waste away so that sensation was lost. That's why many times lepers not feeling any heat would plunge their hands into the flames to get something out, not realizing that they were burning. That's why as they cut themselves, they felt no pain. What wasn't lost by virtue of trauma was lost because of the ongoing passage of the disease. Muscles would atrophy. Tendons would contract. The hands would become bent like claws. Then came the progressive loss of the extremities, the nose, the ears, the fingers, the toes. Ultimately, a whole hand or a whole foot would drop off. Leprosy was a terribly progressive disease where a man and or woman would literally die an inch at a time. But if the physical condition was terrible, there was something else that made it worse. Lepers were considered cursed, not only in body, but in soul. Immediately after a person was diagnosed, he or she was completely banished from society. They had to live in colonies outside the towns and villages. The only food they could get was that which was delivered by family members, and it was left at a distance for them to come out and get On the occasions that lepers were out and about, they had to do so with torn clothes, disheveled hair, the lower half of their face covered, and they would groan out the words, unclean, 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 warning people to keep their distance. In the open air, lepers could not be approached closer than six feet. If the wind was blowing toward you from a leper, you were to keep 150 feet away from them. In short, there has never been a disease which so separated man from his fellow man as leprosy. But there was more. Beyond the physical was the psychological. Lepers lived with shame and stigma. They were damaged goods, disappointed by men, damned by God. They lived a life of walking Death. And yet this was who Jesus chose to what? Touch. 
One of my favorite authors, a man named Ken Geyer, writes of the moment in one of his books. The gesture says so much to someone nobody speaks to anymore, let alone touches. It says, I love you, I care, I'm sorry, I understand, I want to help. And with that touch, goosebumps flutter over little pools of feeling that still remain on his skin. Then another surge rushes over the leper. This time he feels it all the way down to his toes. He looks down to his hands, gone as a sickly color, gone are the sores. He tests the fingertips, there's feeling. He clenches to make a fist, there's strength. He looks back up at Jesus, his eyes pool with emotion as he tries to speak. But it feels as though his whole sad life is lodged sideways in his throat, and the words can't get through. Soon the words will come, and he'll tell everyone he sees. He will tell about his cleansing and to tell about a wonderful, willing Savior who reached out and touched a lover. It's an amazing story, but could it be there's more to this story than simply praising God for what he did in the past? Could there be something here as it relates to trusting God for what he might want to do in the present? As I was grappling with a parallel to leprosy, I couldn't help but think about the early days of fellowship Some of you know what it was like in the 80s as it relates to HIV or AIDS. I remember the terror that stalked our country, indeed the world. No one knew what caused it. And so the AIDS victims, whether through sexual behavior or blood transfusion, whether they were young or old, remember Ryan White, little boy in Indiana who was not allowed to go to a school because of the terror that AIDS brought. They were stigmatized, they were shunned, they were shamed. I still remember the words of one AIDS victim who asked whether he might consider going to church. His response, church, that's the last place that would ever accept somebody like me. In the last 30 years, of course, AIDS has been better understood. Treatments have been found. The terrible disease is no longer seen as it was. But the shift in thinking as it relates to AIDS has been replaced by other points of leprosy, those who today feel the shame and the stigma, those who've been sexually abused, have gone through the physical trauma, but now live in the backwash of that shame and stigma. Husbands or wives who were once chosen by their spouses, who are no longer chosen, who have been abandoned, and rejected. They not only have to live with the rejection, they also many times have to live with the, with the title divorcee. Individuals have been released from prison, as we saw by way of our video, who served their judicial sentence. Now they try to serve the societal one where they're damaged goods, untrustworthy, not worthy. The list of the marginalized goes on and on. The homeless, the refugee, There's probably people in this room who know what it's like to feel like damaged goods. By virtue of what has happened to you or by what you did, all you can know is shame and stigma to your way of thinking. You're a leper and will always be one. And here's the good news. Jesus is not afraid of lepers. And Jesus is not afraid to touch them and to offer healing to them. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will be back to continue his message in just a moment. 
I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, just go to davedesalmministries.org and click on the donate button. Dave DeSelm Ministries is here to resource everyday pastors as they seek to equip everyday people to become everyday disciples. And one of the ways that we do that is through coaching. In the coaching relationship, pastors and leaders have the opportunity to receive individualized, practical guidance from Dave on the issues they're facing in life and ministry. These one-on-one sessions offer a safe place to discuss some of the unique challenges you're facing with someone who's a bit further down the road of ministry. DDM also offers coaching groups, bringing the coaching relationship into the small group setting. It's a personal space where conversation can take place, relationships can be formed, and hope and help discovered. If you'd like to learn more about coaching, go to davedesellministries.org or email us at info at davedesellministries.org. Now, here's Dave with the rest of today's teaching. So a couple thoughts here. Consider the leper's approach and Jesus' response. I think it's striking how the leper approached with courage. If anyone who would ever considered himself as unworthy, it was this leper. The disease was incurable. There was no treatment. Not even his family gave him any hope. Rabbis were especially disdainful of lepers because they were seen as ceremonially unclean. One rabbi prided himself on throwing rocks at them to keep them at a distance. And here's arguably the greatest rabbi who ever lived, Jesus. And he treats the leper in a totally different way. And here's the thought. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, could it mean that perhaps you could approach him too? That no matter how much other people, religious or otherwise, have treated you, no matter what they've said about you, but here's one who won't reject you? To be sure, that's going to take some courage. Like the man here in the text, you'll have to fight through the feelings of despair and hopelessness. But if Jesus is still in the healing business, could it be that he could heal you? He also approached with humility. His line is interesting. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Not demanding, not insisting, humbly asking. He didn't know whether this was part of God's divine plan, but he knew enough to ask. Healing and humility go hand in hand. We ask courageously. We ask humbly. We don't know the divine plan. We don't know the ultimate mystery. But we do know this. We're told to ask. We're told to ask. He approached with humility. And finally, he approached with faith. Lord, he said. Some would suggest, well, that was a title of respect. Indeed, it was. But I also think that it's quite possible that this leper saw who Jesus was unlike few others. He recognized Jesus' identity and Jesus' authority. He saw him as the coming deliverer, and he realized he was going to reach out in faith. Faith, to reach out before you see it happen. Faith, it's not seeing, then believing. It's believing, then seeing. What was Jesus' response? That's striking. He responded with such compassion. To a Jew reading this Luke account, 
there would be no more amazing statement than this one. Jesus reached out and touched the man. Luke, as many of you know, was a physician, a doctor by trade. He writes an interesting nuance in his account. The man was full of leprosy. This was an advanced case. He was full of it. And Jesus reached out and touched him. It's striking to me how on other occasions Jesus could heal at a distance, right? Remember when the Roman centurion came and said, my servant's sick. Jesus said, I've never seen such faith. Go, your servant's healed. At a distance, the man goes back and his servant's healed. He healed at a distance. He could heal with a word. Lord, please give me sight, the blind man said. Jesus said, boom, may you see. But in this situation, it wasn't at a distance. It wasn't with a word. He reached out and what? Touched him. Striking to me. What compassion. Second, he responded with reassurance. I'm willing. I'm willing. Those words are a powerful reminder of Jesus' heart. Jesus is ever and always willing. The mystery is how all that squares with his major kingdom purposes. Even as I was preparing this talk, I had to grapple with this. As many of you know, last fall, I went in for my annual physical, and uh, blood work was done, and my PSA came back very high. And uh, my urologist said, there's a very real chance that you have cancer. Uh, I was stunned. For you who've heard the C word, you know what it does to you the first time you hear it. A biopsy was scheduled. I brought my family and my friends into this information loop, and they began to pray. Oh, how they prayed. First of all, that the biopsy would be negative. It wasn't. A timeline was set for surgery, and many of them said, we're not giving up, Dave. We're going to keep on praying, keep on praying. The situation be reversed. Oh, how they prayed. God bless them. They prayed. It wasn't reversed. This February, I got a communication from one of those prayer warriors, and she said, "Um, I'm not giving up. Would you go in for one last blood test three days prior to your surgery? One last test. Could it be that God's going to heal you at the 11th hour? And Gwen and I, we rose up in faith, and we prayed. The blood test was taken. I still had cancer. The surgery was scheduled, In the hours before, one of my best friends said, bro, I'm not giving up. I'm going to pray that somehow when he goes in there with those robotic arms, he's going to go, I'll be darned. There's no cancer. I said, I'm staying with you, man. The robotic arms went in, and there was cancer. And so I stand here now on the backside of having had prostate cancer surgery with all of the implications People prayed. They prayed hard. They prayed long. They prayed boldly that I would be healed. I wasn't. Not as I hoped. Did Jesus not care? I think he did. Is Jesus not able? I think he was. Is Jesus still good?
Absolutely. Is Jesus still God? Definitely. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Were we right to ask? Yes. Yes. Because we're told that asking is the key to receiving. So we asked. We asked. And there are times that though we ask, God says, not yet. Because you see, ultimately, we'll all be healed. For me, it was not yet. For the leper, it was yes. And we see how Jesus responded with power. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So what do we take away from this? Here's what I know. We have this God, and he's the God of shalom. He's the God of salvation, and he's the God of deliverance, and he's the God of healing. And that healing is coming. If not in this life, it's going to come in the next. But it is coming. And in the interim, in the not yet, he says, ask. Ask big. Ask big. Ask for the healing of your body. Ask for the healing of your mind. Ask for the healing of your memories. Ask for the healing of your shame. Ask for the healing of your stigma. Ask. And as you do, be confident of his compassion and his willingness and his power. Because sometimes the healing is not in the immediate physical deliverance you find. It's in the emotional and spiritual deliverance that you realize. Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.